we want to surprise people with humanity. Because the truth is, is with so much automation, with so many systems and procedures, guests don't feel like humans anymore. They don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. Hey guys, today we have a really fun experience for you on the podcast. We don't always get to record in the same room, but today we get to. So we actually come to you from a place called 719 Commons, which is kind of co-working meets events, meets all kind of cool training opportunities. And so today we're actually around the table together and I'm with two of my good friends today and they're actually both business owners. And so I am going to let Cody, my friend, who also can hear this on the Cody Builds a Business podcast, interview my friend Tyler. So Cody, our interviewer today, man, thanks for being with us. Hey, Alan, thank you so much for having me, man. I am super pumped to be here in this awesome location. I also don't typically record podcasts face-to-face and voice-to-voice. It's always over the phone or, or just by myself alone. So being here is really special. Thanks for having me. Guys, Cody's doing great stuff, uh, and you can listen to his podcast. You'll see that in the show notes. And my man, the man of the hour today, who we're going to hear from about hospitality, customer experience, and so many things that can translate from business, nonprofit work, and church work. My man himself, Tyler Hill. Thanks for being with us today, man. What's good, cyberspace? I'm so stoked to be here, to be with Alan and Cody. It's going to be a good time. All right, let's get this interview started. So Cody Birch interviews Tyler Hill. Let's do it. All right. Hey, we welcome to the Cody Builds a Business podcast, my friend Tyler. Tyler, thanks for being on today, man. You're welcome. Stoked to be here. So Tyler, the main thing that you're known for, at least in my imagination, is for customer experience. And you co-operate and co-founded one of my favorite coffee shops here in Colorado Springs that I think has some of the best coffee. And then the more I hang out in there, I'm like, wait, there's actually something more going on here. This is one of my favorite places to hang out. I learn a lot about customer experience. I always feel great when I come in. I get complimented. I get great coffee. It's it's like way more than how good the beans are and how well they're ground and served and all that stuff. So talk about customer experience, why that's so important to you, how you got into it. Just kind of walk me through what's up at Loyal that makes it so amazing. Thanks, man. Just all oh, that makes me so happy to hear, um, you know, just to hear how you feel when you come into Loyal. And, um, you know, to me, there's so much that we can focus on when we when someone opens a business or someone does anything. Um, and for me, like when I started, I thought I was a coffee person. Like I was obsessed with coffee and how to make it taste good. And and I obsessed over the specific product. Um, but over time, what I really learned was that I wasn't necessarily a coffee person, but that I was a people person. That really what made me come alive when I was working, when I was either bartending or when I was a barista, was that I loved treating people really, really well. And mm-hmm. And so I began to kind of just explore that and, and, and it really began to, I think more than anything, give me purpose. You know, I think a lot of the times, Cody, when we, um, when we work on things, we can get so focused on the product or the service that we're giving, but a product itself doesn't really have life. It doesn't really have much behind it. But when you start to think about people and you start to think about the humans behind the product that you're serving, all of a sudden you're taking care of people and that gives your work purpose. And so the more and more I began to embrace hospitality in my work, I felt like my work had purpose. You know, it's funny in the service industry, a lot of people look at a barista or a bartender and is like, 
is that a real career? Is that like a real job? But the more and more I embraced hospitality, I thought, you know, my life has purpose. And then as I began to own a company and, and work on things, I realized when I was empowering other people to work with hospitality, it gave their work purpose also. And, and then I, over time, have just become obsessed with hospitality and the guest experience. It gives me purpose. It gives people purpose. And it empowers the guests that we're serving in a really beautiful way. So talk about some of the, uh, like how you came up with the experience at Loyal. Uh, one of the things I like to think of when I go to, when I have a really great customer experience, sometimes I'll leave a restaurant or an establishment or a amusement park or a hotel and think, I really like that. And I just experienced that. And I let myself kind of sit with that thought for a minute. And then it usually hits me now because I'm a little more, a little more self-aware of it to go, well, why do I feel that way? What about it specifically? Like, was it that it was the best coffee? Like, well, yeah, I think you have above average coffee that you serve, but then you and I had a chat recently and you're like, well, did you notice this? And did you notice this? And I was like, oh, that's, that, that's interesting. Like, I remember I told you once, um, I'm wearing red shoes again today, which is kind of a common thing, but I, you and I had coffee at Loyal and I said, Hey, when I ordered my coffee, they, they complimented my shoes and you were like, oh, that makes me really happy. And that's part of our training. Like, it's part of our culture that we want people to be able to seamlessly compliment other people and make them feel really great. What other things have you done at Loyal to make people feel so welcome? Yeah. So, you know, in, you know, so like if you look at, at Loyal Coffee's Yelp reviews and our Facebook reviews, you actually don't hear people talk about our coffee that often, which is really interesting because, you know, Humbly, you're not wrong. We serve really good coffee. One of our roasters just um, was ranked in the top six roasters in America. We just won America's Best Espresso at Coffee Fest. I was ranked 12th in the nation as a barista at one point, and yet people hardly talk about the quality of our coffee in our reviews and when we do guest surveys and things like this. What they talk most about is how we make them feel. And so there is a difference there. And I think that can really tell the priority upon which a company or an organization is really working on things. I think for me, one of the most important things is to really work to look at things through the perspective of the guest as much as possible. We can become so familiar with our with our, with the work that we're doing. We have our own language. We have our own expectations. We have our own perspective on our workplaces or whatever whatever niche you're working in that you forget about the guest and how the guest really sees something. One of my favorite stories is once sometimes Disney Imagineers they will actually go through the park and they have these little skateboards and they get on their hand they get on their knees. And they roll through the park at about four feet tall. The reason is, is because they're building that park for kids. But if you walk through that park at six feet tall, you see it through a very different perspective than if you were four feet tall. Mm. And so when we're trying to build an experience at Loyal, it's not through the perspective of a guy who's coffee obsessed and who has worked in the coffee industry for a really long time. I want to look at it through the perspective of what if this was someone's very first time here? What do they see? Do they know where they're going to go? Is it easy for them to know where the register is? Is it easy for them to know what to order? Things like this. The other thing, especially in service, is that it's so easy for guests and customers to not feel like humans, especially with the rise of automation, right? The more and more automation is going. I went to a chicken place in Denver the other day that there was no waiters or servers. You ordered everything on an iPad and then the cooks in the back just put it through a window. There was no front of house staff. It's crazy. Now, some parts of that was really good and it was quick and efficient, but I did not feel like a human. 
I felt like a number. And the truth is, is in most service industry places, in a lot of hotels, things like this, the guests don't feel like humans. They feel like sheep or cattle going through, you know, whatever. So one of the things that we try to do a lot, we say this all the time, is that we want to surprise people with humanity. Because the truth is, is with so much automation, with so many systems and procedures, guests don't feel like humans anymore. They don't feel seen. They don't feel heard. And so when you can look at their experience through their perspective and say, what does Cody want when he comes into Loyal? And how can I make Cody feel seen? So the reason we, we train our team members to compliment is, is that makes you feel seen, specifically you. You feel seen. And so when somebody feels human, when they feel truly taken care of, that's what a truly hospitable experience is. And so what can you do to value and point out the humanity in your guests is what will really take, I believe, a guest experience to the next level. So let's talk about what that might mean for an online business. I run an online business. I, I don't know what percent of my people that listen to the podcast run an online business or want to do that or, or brick and mortar. I'm not exactly sure, but there's a lot of what you just said about treating people with, you know, recognizing their humanity, making them feel seen and heard. What challenges do you think we might face if we do just run an online business? We might not see a lot of our customers face to face. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And right, it's insanely relevant because we're all doing this and you're the you're the funnel wizard and you know it's so easy when i'm in someone's funnel you know i don't a lot of the times you can tell if they really care you know about me you know all of a sudden when i've had 10 emails in in 15 minutes from a person because i'm in their funnel like i'm i'm so turned off i don't care if the content is really good but they didn't really think about me like all of a sudden cuz i know that person on the other end of the funnel doesn't want 10 emails in 15 minutes in their inbox. You know what I mean? And so it's like things like that, even even if they don't reach out to me personally, just the rhythms upon which they they even interact with you through automated systems, I think could value my humanity more than others. You know, I'm in a couple direct text things like where, you know, somebody will text me whatever their new podcast is out. And, and even that, it's like, I just got a text at, three in the morning and it dinged my phone and woke me up. Like, do you actually care about me? Yeah. And and I don't feel like that. Yeah. It's like, send the thing out at nine when, when you know I'm awake, you yeah. know? And so I think there's like some certain things where we can say, even if it's automated, even if like you don't have the capacity or the capability to um, send a personal video to every one of your clients in your email list, there's ways that you can think about how will this impact their life? What's the best way that I can value who they are and what they're doing in their in their day-to-day? Now, obviously, I think the more you can use people's personal names, the more times you can give them a, a little quick shout out. So every person that gets on my email list, for example, they get a they get a 15-second video from me, is their first one. Now, maybe that's not scalable, and I don't got some 10,000 person email list like a lot of you all stars out there. But every time somebody gets on my email list, I say, what's up? I'm Tyler. Thanks for signing up. I'm so glad. And I use their name and then that can at least start the relationship. And then they get the automated emails and, and that happens like it does. But for me, that's at least a way to start where they know I put in at least 15 seconds of effort to say their actual name. And that's a place where I start at least is one thing I do. Yeah. Another thing I think when it comes to online or really any business that we run, we're all about solving a problem. And then that generates another problem. Let me explain with something I just thinking of with loyal coffee. So my problem might be when I come into loyal, I need a cup of coffee. Like that's my problem. 
and then uh, when that problem is solved, maybe something else happens. I might want some food or I might uh, be in a rush. I need, not only do I need the coffee, I need the coffee kind of quickly because I need to get to another meeting appointment or something like that. And in our business, like whatever you are selling uh, or providing people with some kind of solution, that's solving a problem and then introducing a new problem. And so for me, when I create pieces of marketing content, an email or a video or something, if somebody were to buy or like, I don't know, watch one of my trainings or something like that, I might write an email that literally says something like, hey, uh, Tyler, thanks for joining this thing that I made. And right now, you might be feeling X, like you might be feeling whatever, overwhelmed, or you might be feeling confused, you might be feeling what are the next steps. And so acknowledging those emotions that they might be feeling and addressing them and then um, allow, like giving them space to experience that emotion and then also trying to give them um, a better way. So like, I don't know if this ever happens, but like, hey, like you're enjoying the cup of coffee, Right now, you might be feeling like, gosh, you sure are thirsty. And I love like Loyal has, it's very easy to get a lot of water. I don't have to go back in line to get a glass of water like you have to do it at other coffee shops or establishments. And so it just makes it very, very seamless. Do you see that? I don't know. See something yeah. like that play out or what does that make you think of? I love that. Um, you know, again, like that, trying as much as possible to value the humanity in other people. is That's the key to it. When somebody feels seen and taken care of, like, think about this. Like, people could go through a whole day and someone might not use their real name. You could legit go through a whole day and someone might not tell you your own name. That that happens these days. And so even at Loyal, I might have a guest that's a regular that comes in every day. We have people that come in two or three times a day, every day for the last two years. Yeah. And even that, I could assume that their experience they want to have is exactly the same every time. But that begins to take away their humanity. The reality is, is that person has a different experience that they might want or need at a different day. And so, you know, in general, right, we have pour overs and we have batch brew. Pour overs take a few minutes. Batch brew is very quick. You know, I might see, you know, a, a professional come in, you know, a woman wearing a pantsuit and a briefcase and she's hustling down the line real quick. I'm not even going to offer her a pour over. That's not bad service. I'm, you know, I'm just looking at her situation and saying, you know what? She's hustling down. She looks like she's sweating. She's probably late for a meeting. In fact, I might not even ask her to pay this time, but probably she's going to come back next time and get the premium coffee because I saw her need and I really saw her humanity in that situation. You know, I didn't offer her everything I could. I didn't offer her the best tasting coffee, but that's not what she needed. Yeah. And so like even that, I try to, people try to sell me stuff that I don't need. And it's clear that I don't need that. You know, Tyler, it, it appears that you need whatever. And I was like, I'm not interested in that thing at all. Yeah. Like, you don't care about me. So, you know, and so really trying to just be so intentional to those things. How do we value the humanity? And, and again, look at things through the perspective of the guest. What does that person actually need? And that is a harder practice than you would ever think to take yourself out of your shoes. The other day, it's a perfect example. My wife and I took um, we took our car to the to the shop, and we drive up to the place, and there's a giant door in it, and there's a sign on it that said "Please use other door," which I was very thankful for. I thought that was insanely helpful, right? And then I look on the side of the building, and there's three other doors. Now, the person who put that sign on that door had great intentions, trying to over communicate, trying to be clear. That person was so familiar with his or her building that they just assumed that they would know the right door to walk into. What they didn't assume was that Tyler would be coming there and it was his first time at that building and had no idea. And lo and behold, I tried three doors and none of them worked. And it was the door on the around the corner. I didn't know where. 
the problem is that person had the good intentions, but they really didn't look at it through my perspective. What if somebody's never been here? Do they know exactly where? So you're asking about some things that loyal that we do. Um, when you walk in, there's black tile that goes straight from the front door right to the register. And there's kind of like a corridor. And at the end of that, there's just the giant menu. When you walk in the door, there's no other place to go. And in fact, we also wove some rope in the roof. Um, and so you can see kind of it, the floor mimics the roof. So when you go in, you might not see it. Nobody's going to yelp about the special tile, but it guides the guest exactly where you go. When you walk into Disneyland, like there's just Main Street USA right to the castle. And that puts you, you know exactly where to go. It's like hanging a carrot in front of a horse. Is it easy to know where to go online? Do you know where to click? Like is, is the thing that you want them to click easy to click and easy to find? Mm. Um, you know, you know where to, you built the website. You've been on it a thousand times. You are the most unqualified person to actually make a decision about where the button should go. The person that's the closest to that is the worst and oftentimes the most unqualified person to make decisions about guest experience, unless you've practiced how to step out of your own shoes and put on the shoes of the guest. So little things like that and just hanging carrots that's easy for the guest to know where to go and what to do. And, and, and that helps you reduce friction in a, in, a, in a really positive way. Dude, thanks for sharing that. that so that gives me a couple uh, examples. When I was at uh, Target, uh, they're not a sponsor of the show, and I'm about to make sure that that doesn't happen. Um, they, uh, I was at Target. It was around the holidays, around Christmas. My wife was out of town. I had my three boisterous young men, young birch boys with me. And it was Christmas time. We were trying to get food and get the kids stocked up on Lunchables and microwavable uh, you know, freezer foods to do while mom's out of town, right? And so we're, we're stressed. The boys aren't really behaving. They're just being normal kids, right? No judgment or expectation on them. And we get to the checkout line. It's kind of a long line and it's Christmas and it's busy. And I probably snapped at the kids, which was audible. And, you know, don't touch that. And kids just think they can touch everything and unplug everything and un <laughs> unplug the 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 pin machine and rip off the um, the pencil you use to sign your name. And so I was very clearly stressed. Like just, I wanted to get through. I'm also typically pretty introverted. I don't like to interact with a ton of people anyways, but especially in that moment. But at the shift meeting that day, the new team member, whatever his or her name was, was probably told, hey, like ask them a couple questions. Great open, which makes total sense, right? But not in the context of this exact trip to Target. So I get to the line and put all my stuff down and hey, stop touching that. And hey, don't do that, right? And then the person asked me, got any big plans for the holidays? And I thought, hey, in this moment, like in this minute, I don't really want to answer that question and I'm not trying to be rude. And I know your manager said to do that before everybody walked through the line, but pay attention to the context. Like you said, the woman in the pantsuit in that example, that's not what I needed in that moment. I needed efficiency. I needed them to scan this stuff quickly. I needed to get on with my day. I needed them to not mention my boisterous kids, like whatever it was, I didn't need chit chat about sure. big holiday plans. Yeah. So one of the biggest and most important things that we can do, I, I love that we're headed down this, this little rabbit trail. There's a giant difference, Cody, between service and customer service and hospitality hmm. or service and, and, and guest experience. But first understanding the difference between service and hospitality. Customer service, providing service is me providing the service according to the systems and procedures that you need. You come into Loyal and we provide a service. You have a problem and we serve that problem. You need coffee. You need a place to have a meeting, these types of things. And we do that. And you need customer service. Customer service is really important. Um, and service is often built on systems and procedures. Every place needs to do that. Hospitality is very different. 
within that. You see, hospitality is understanding the needs. It's making someone feel at home. It's making someone feel seen. It's making feel making someone feel taken care of. So what the problem is, is the person at Target probably thought they were being insanely hospitable. They felt like they were being hospitable by, by really uh, – asking these good questions and trying to engage in in good conversation. The problem was, was really what they were doing is they're engaging in service. They were told to do X, Y, Z when someone's at the, at the cash register. And what, what that really means is, is, is that they were neglecting again, your humanity service sees the humanity in someone. What do they need? What do they want? And how can I use my tools and resources to serve that specific person in this specific context? So the difference between service and hospitality, everyone needs service and everyone has to provide service. The truth is, is Taco Bell provides great service. It's fast, it's efficient, you get what exactly what you want most of the time. But they don't have hospitality, and that's okay. They chose to just be a place of service, and they do a really good job of that. Now, Chick-fil-A has hospitality, sort of. They're like in the middle. They have insanely good systems and procedures. It's consistent, it's fast, you get exactly what you want, right? So they are very good at service. Chick-fil-A is the best at service. I would argue, though, that they actually don't have very much hospitality either. Now, Chick-fil-A, oftentimes, they put at, people put on the pedestal. But here's the difference. When somebody says, my pleasure, at Chick-fil-A, I don't believe them, right? You know that they're told to say that, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But there's a difference between someone saying, my pleasure, and someone actually noticing a real need that I had and really trying to go above and beyond and really trying to serve Tyler, Tyler Hill. When that happens, that's true hospitality. And Chick-fil-A also does that sometimes. And so we need, in order to provide good hospitality, you need to build it on top of really good service. See, because if your service is bad, the hospitality doesn't matter. If you can't provide the basic need with good systems and procedures, then it doesn't matter. So if I go above and beyond and I and I get you through, but I over I get you through the target line and I don't ask you invasive questions when you don't want to hear them but I overcharge you $30 because my systems and procedures wasn't right and my customer service wasn't good, it doesn't matter how hospitable I was. You see what I mean? Yeah. You need the systems and procedures and good service and put hospitality on top of it. The problem is, is the mom and pop shop that wants to provide insanely good hospitality and they're so kind and they're so loving and they ask you all these questions, they neglect service a lot of the time and their numbers are bad and their efficiencies aren't good and it really hurts. So you need both. You need good service and systems and procedures, and then you can build a hospitable experience on top of that. So what people see at Loyal is a great engagement with guests, and we, we do compliment and we have good conversations. But what they don't see is the, is the insane structure and lists and procedures and rules and how many steps they should take from here to there that allow us the time to actually take care of our guests. Because we have efficient systems, because we are obsessive over procedures and service, it allows us the opportunity to leave from behind the bar and go sit down at a guest's table and chit chat with them. Some coffee shops are so inefficient and they're so behind on drinks that their barista doesn't have a time to chit chat. And so you need to focus on the service in order to provide the hospitality. Most places are so linear on one or the other that they don't marry the two. And it's when you marry the two that you can have an insanely beautiful guest experience. Yeah, I've been trying to pay more attention to experiences that I really like and where I've seen inefficiencies, like you said, with the auto repair shop with the wrong door and being at Loyal 
you're making me want to go there right now when we leave to experience some of this again. I mean, I've seen what you what you've talked about firsthand. So let's talk about how do you get people to buy into that because that is your vision. It's you and your uh, you know other co-founders and operators' vision of what that wants to be like. And yeah, like pretty simply, if you had horrible coffee but polite people, I might come by. And maybe not me because I'm not I'm not I'm more introverted than that. I, I, I need a great product, but. You kind of can have one without the other, I guess. But how do you get employees to buy in? Because you shared a really interesting statistic with me recently about you have an insanely low turnover at Loyal for the industry, and I would guess for any hospitality industry. How do you get the buy-in of what you just said from your people? Yeah, that's a uh, man. That's the million-dollar question. So, so we kind of go off of a kind of a system that that I built and created called the Meaningful Hospitality Ecosystem, and it starts with good hiring. And so before, in order to retain good people or have people who buy into your mission and your vision, you need to hire the right ones. There are people out there that are more prone than others to buy into what you believe in, that are more prone to buy into your your company's vision and mission and goals. The thing is, is you have to find them and you have to hire those specific people. The thing is, man, is people hire with their gut. They interview someone, they don't use any systems, they don't use any data, they don't, They just kind of get to know someone across the table and think, well, I like that person, and sure, I guess I'll hire them. They hire with their gut, and they pray to God they made the right choice. But the truth is, is we can use data, and you can use facts to find someone who is more prone to buy into what you need and what you want. And so there's a whole, we could go really deep into that, but that's an entirely other podcast to talk about smart hiring. But you have to find it kind of in short, you have to find someone who A, is a culture fit, someone who fits into your culture, your 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 company. Um, so at Loyal, we call them the commons, our common, um, our common purpose, our common values, and our common goal. And those are obviously really clear and we write them down and everything. So you have to find someone who's a culture fit. And then you have to find someone that we call a high achiever. And that's someone who will do a really good job at their specific job, pretty much. And so it starts with good hiring. But the truth is, is you can hire someone, but that doesn't mean that they're trained well. It doesn't mean that they're going to buy into the commons. It doesn't mean that they're going to come alongside. And so the next part of the ecosystem is called employee engagement. And that starts from hiring and it goes all the way through. So how do you create a system how do you create a system and procedures that teach your team members uh, your culture, that that shows them by example what you mean when you talk about your culture, these kinds of things? And how do you teach them? And what is orientation like? And how do you reward them when they do things that um, that mimic the culture that you're trying to set? And, and again, it's, it's, it needs to be organized. It needs to be planned out. You need to budget for it. You can't just rely on giving good pats on the back and giving them a, a, a Chipotle gift card just when you feel like it. It needs to be planned and organized to really, really do that. Um, so one little example that one of my, uh, one of my friends, uh, Michelle Falcon, does in their orientations, they ask their team members, they'll say, or sorry, not in their orientations, in their interviews, they'll say, What's one $15 luxury you can't live without? And, and, the, and the person interviewing just thinks it's just a question about the interview, okay? So they might say, I can't live without Starbucks or whatever, you know, this or my Burt's Bees chapstick. Cannot live without my chapstick. On their first day of orientation, they'll get a package of Burt's Bees chapstick. 
Now, so what does that do? Now, that's a good gift. That's really, really cool. But what that really is doing is saying we pay attention and we listen to the little details. And not only do we listen to the little details, but we follow through and we act on it. So that's a part of employee engagement where it makes the employee feel loved, seen, taken care of. That's humanity, right? But also it shows them an example of how to actually do it practically. So now they have a tangible example that they can take with them into the workplace. You see, here's the thing is when you show your team members hospitality, they'll show your guests hospitality. So in order to get your team members bought in, I need to be hospitable to them. Mm. If they don't understand what hospitality is because I haven't shown it to them, then they're not going to know how to show it to my guests the way I want them to. So I'll spend just as much time being hospitable to my team members as I will teaching them how to be hospitable to the guests. And so employee engagement to me is engaging them, is creating an experience for them. If I want my guests to have an experience, have I created an experience for my team members? Is it fun to work at Loyal? Do my team members feel seen, heard, loved, taken care of? Do they feel human or do they feel like robots working for some company? And so employee engagement is all about trying to mimic what you want for the guests. And then, then and only then after you've hired and given your employees a hospitable experience, will your employees provide the great experience for your guests. So you hire well, you bring them into your culture through great orientations, showing them hospitality, loving them the way you want them to love their guests, and then you train them how you want to treat their guests. But that's just, that's just the minor stuff. It's just little systems and procedures. This is how at Loyal we want you to drop the waters off and look your guests in the eye. Now, I could tell them to look the guests in the eye, but that doesn't mean anything unless they know what looking in someone's eyes mean. But if they know that in every meeting I've looked my team members in the eyes and they feel seen because I look at them that way and I talk to them that way, they know how it makes them feel. So it's only it's exciting for them to do that for the guests already. So I could tell them, look at the guests in the eye, and that could be a task, that could just be service, or that could be hospitality. I'm excited to look my guests in the eye. And so hiring, employee engagement, then the guest experience first. The problem is most people just start with guest experience. Let's make the place look really beautiful, and let's do all these little things without hiring the right people that are prone to buy into the system and employee engagement, and that will respond well. Not everyone is going to respond well to the Burt's Bees things. There's people who will like that more than others. You got to hire the people that's going to respond well to that and the people who will thrive off the hospitality that you show them. And so it all starts with hiring, man. I mean, everything starts with hiring. I, I believe that so much. Um, yeah. And what has your retention rate been at Foil? Yeah. So, I mean, most, most restaurants will have, um, 100% turnover in their first six to eight months. And we still have, we're, we're t almost two and a half years in and still have original team members. Um, so I can tell you off the top of my head, the actual turnover rate, but, but um, I mean, like I said, we still have OG team members still at loyal two and a half years later that, that haven't, that haven't left. And so um, it's something we're really proud of and, and working on growing people for being such a small company to have such low turnover and have the core of our team still be the same of what it was since day one, two and a half years ago is something um, really special to us. So how do you, let's talk about community for a second. Cause I remember I was in there once and it was on a taco Saturday or it had some catchier name than yeah. that. And Jacob, right. Jacob was out there yes. cooking up tacos and they were amazing. So the food's incredible. The culture is incredible. And that same day you were out there, you were working in the taco stand and you knew a ton of people. And I, I came there with a friend and I watched you interact with your employees and your team members and some great customers uh, as well. 
now for a guy like me, I hear all of this and I, I do want that. I want to be hospitable and treat everybody like a human, whether they're on my team or they're people that inter- interact with the brand. I'm just not naturally inclined uh, to do that or to create that community. And I keep having this, I guess I'm drawn to people like you that have got that part figured out, or at least from my perspective. So what are some ways we can create that type of community, whatever kind of business we have? So I think, I think first things first, you know, it's really easy sometimes, and it's often a default to not consider your guests or the people that you're serving as smart as they really are. And I don't think any of us would say this straight up, but a lot of times we think they are smart. They're not as smart as us. And the reason that I'm saying that is because I think our guests can always smell someone who isn't genuine. Okay. When you are not being your true self, I think guests see that and smell it a mile away. 99% of our guests are way smarter than we give them credit for. And so when I'm not being traditional, typical Tyler Hill, my guests know that. The problem is, is someone who expresses their problem just like you did. Oh man, I'm Cody and I'm not like Tyler. I'm not loud and I'm not like super extroverted and all over the place. Man, I can't be that. But the truth is, is even if you faked it, it would be worse than if you didn't. That your guests and your people need the real Cody. They need the real authentic person, and that matters more. If I'm faking it, that is not showing them humanity. That's me thinking they're not smart enough to know. They're not smart enough to tell, in which case I'm not valuing the humanity in the person that I'm serving. And you're not valuing your own humanity. Here's the real truth. If you want to be hospitable to other people, you need to be hospitable to yourself first. In the same way that if you want to be hospitable to your team members, so they're hospitable to your guests, if you want to be that guy for other people, be that guy for yourself first and teach yourself, what do I like? Am I speaking positively about myself? Am I confident about myself? The problem is everybody's faking it. Everybody out there is just trying to be Gary Vaynerchuk. It's like, no, Gary Vaynerchuk is just Gary Vaynerchuk. Like if you try to be him, you're going to lose. If you're going to try to be me, you're going to lose. If I'm going to try to be you, I'm going to lose. So you need to be yourself, and that's what works, and that's super okay. We were designed to be our unique selves, and we need to give ourselves more credit. And so the way first that that works is, is, yeah, understanding who you are and and being authentic to that. And people are drawn to authenticity. Again, with more automation, more social media, we can make ourselves so fake and so who we're not. And the truth is, I think deep down, nobody actually likes that. We are not wired to connect with people who are fake and not real. We were wired to have authentic, real, dirty relationships. And so when someone can find someone else who is authentic and real is when you have a real relationship. I think people are drawn to me, not because I'm charismatic, not because I wear crazy glasses and and have all these tattoos and I'm a loud guy. I think people are drawn to me because I'm authentic and I'll tell them what I think and I'll be honest with them. Um, and so I think that's first. Um, as far as it may be a little bit more practical, how do we have community at Loyal and, and that sort of thing? One of the things that's really important and why I think Loyal is 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 so successful is that we didn't go in and try to in, in enforce or put into the community something that they didn't need. 
we came alongside the existing community and tried to meet the needs that they had. And that's when the community began to gather. So we are very intentional about where we're going to build other loyals. We don't believe loyal coffee exists in every neighborhood. We're not going to go and impose our view on what they need. Instead, we're going to say, okay, this is what loyal does. This is what we're good at. And we're going to find communities where this works. There's communities where loyal coffee does not belong because we don't belong in that culture. We don't belong in that community. The people don't need that. Or if we went in, it would actually harm the community. We're not going to go to those places. We're going to go to the communities where we can thrive and where we can help the people there thrive as well. And that's where I think community really happens. You meet a true need. You don't say, hey, we can solve your problem to a problem that doesn't actually exist. And so our first location was insanely intentional. And our second one is too, we're going to be in a place that needs us or that wants us. And that's, I think, another way, like on a very practical level, how loyal has begun to thrive and create true community. My last little point, and I, I love this, is I think, you know, when you think about community and gathering people and networking, man, I hate networking groups. I hate networking plans and, and meetings because here's the truth is when people are trying to gather community and network with one another, all the time, people are going into those places just trying to Truly, they're trying to go get something from someone else. They're hoping to find the person for themselves that is going to help them get to the next level. And then you're just in a room with a bunch of selfish people that just want things from other people. Mm. I hate that. And I think it doesn't work. And again, that's not genuine. It's not humane. It's not real. But when you can go into places, when you can go into communities and you have something to give and you're giving things away to people, that's when people people want to be there. When they get something because someone is authentically and honestly giving something away. Our first major investor, this is a crazy story. Again, you know, we raised a lot of money to get Loyal Coffee going. And we never went to one networking thing. We never went to any of these like, you know, incubators or all of that. The way we raised money for Loyal was because we were all bartenders and baristas in the same neighborhood for seven to 10 years, all of us. The very first person that wrote me a check, this is exactly how it went, I kid you not, is he said, hey, Tyler, I think you're, I think you are, uh, or I heard you want to start a coffee company. And I was like, yeah, uh, that's kind of the rumor. And he's like, so what are you going to do to get started? And I said, I have absolutely no idea. I've just been a bartender. Mind you, this guy's been my regular for probably six years. I was bartending for this guy almost every day. He says, what, what do you, what do you need? And I said, I don't know. I don't have a business plan. He's like, do you have one? No, I don't have a business plan. I don't know how to write one. Nobody. I mean, I don't know. And he goes, okay. He's like, well, how much money do you need? Seriously, bro. I have no idea. And he goes, okay. And then he wrote me a check with numerous zeros right there on the spot, slid it across the bar and said, I'm leaving the country, but we can talk about it all later. Hmm. I had no idea this guy had money. I had no idea he had wealth. I was not trying to get anything from this guy. For six or seven years, I just gave him a good experience. I took care of him. I had no idea he was wealthy, but that's why he trusted me. He knew I wasn't trying to manipulate him. He knew I wasn't trying to get money out of him. He trusted me because I was giving him a good experience. I was making him feel loved. I was making him feel taken care of, and he trusted me seven years later. Right now that people think I'm like, it's really funny. I'm not rich, but people think I am because now I have this really sexy coffee shop and whatever. The amount of times I sit down with someone and, and I, I can just tell right off the bat, you just want stuff from me. Like, I don't want to be with you. 
And so I'm not going to build community with that person. Community happens when people are giving to one another is the point. So loyal, we say we're, our purpose is community by way of coffee. And the way it happens is because we're not trying to take from the community. The community knows we give money back. The community knows that we are there to help them and serve them. So that goes back to we're not going to try to solve a problem that doesn't exist. We're trying to come alongside the people that's already there and trying to empower them, engage, encourage, and elevate them. That's when community happens is when you give. But everybody's trying to take, and they say, oh, I want a good community of, of real estate agents. So we're all going to come in when really they're just trying to find the person that can get them the other thing. And it's complete baloney. It just doesn't work. And so community happens when you give is, is the bottom line. I'm getting all hot and bothered in here Dude, now. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even know where to take this now. I, I, there's so many gold nuggets in there of how to serve other people and how to be intentional. I, there's a, a company in town that I don't want to mention their name, but they had a really cool hook in that they make chocolate. And one of the proprietors of the business is a chemist. And so that, that sounds like the origin story to like an awesome story slash experience. And I went in there and I said, Hey, what do I need to know about this place? I just like, I didn't phrase it that way, but I like knowing about loyal. I, I think I asked you or somebody, you had a really interesting logo as the wolf with the eyes crossed out. Was it a wolf? Mm -hmm. And it's like fox. fox, a fox. And I was like, what's up with that? And there's a, oh, a really cool story there. Right. And so I went into this business and I didn't, I didn't get the story and I haven't been back to, to, to that place. Like we, we all have these, um, we all have these like roots of like, why we exist and why we seek to serve and why we open up shop. Like so far, I haven't heard you say, Hey man, like it's all about if I can just move one more cup of coffee a day and increase my profit margin by 10%, Cody, that's the magic. Like, no, it's totally not, not even a little bit. And, but what happens though, when we give first and we go first and we serve first and we give to the people that we seek to serve, the financial rewards come back later. Like I've seen that, I was the same more often than not, but maybe every time. That's uh, was just super inspiring. I don't even have anything to say about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, and I, I agree. And I think um, he, you want to know the truth. If coffee went extinct tomorrow, loyal coffee wouldn't go extinct, I think. I think people would still come. If all of a sudden we were just serving cans of Coke, I think we could still sell more cans of Coke than anybody else because we haven't built everything just around the product. We've built it around the human. And so as long as humans exist, um, I think we're still going to to exist. Um, now we love coffee, and that's what we're good at, and so that's what we focus on. But but I think, uh, yeah, that's that's really where where we are. And so, um, yeah, man, it's it's about the people is is the bottom line, and making them feel seen, heard, loved, and and taken care of is really the is really the bottom line. Humanity, humanity first. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the uh, on the show today. Tons of knowledge and wisdom and excitement, and I'd love to have you back on in the future. Before we wrap up, where can people find out more about you and follow you along on your journey? I love that. So um, on social media, my personal is The Tyler, T-H-U-H, Tyler. And I would love for you to follow me there or just go to tylerhill.net. Awesome. Thanks again, Tyler. Appreciate it, man. Later. Wow. Another great episode. Uh, just hearing two of my friends, both in business, talking about hospitality, talking about that personal touch. I think what was clear to me in this interview with Tyler is that we've lost the personal touch. I don't care if it's business, nonprofit, the way we email people, people walking in the doors of our church, 
we've literally viewed them as the next thing, the next vision, the next process, the next mission. And instead of actually viewing them more and more uh, as humans that need to be attended to uh, and loved and cared for in such different ways, I think we put people into a box and really kind of driven them one different direction. So that was a great reminder from the heart of the business world and, and even convicting that if in a cafe and a coffee shop, they can take care of people deeply, how much more should we as church leaders, nonprofit leaders, ministry leaders, um, be taking care of people as well. Yeah, I, I think there is a really helpful distinction between service and hospitality. And we want to have good service. We want to have good processes. We want to have good training in, in everything within our organizations. But this idea that it's not just about service, serving a product with a smile on our face and having good systems, but um, yeah, truly figuring out um, who you are serving and what their needs are and having that personal interaction and that hospitality, making them feel known in your organization or in your business or in your church is so, so important. And he talked about surprising people with humanity. And I think people expect at the end of that email to either be nobody or just a form email. And, and I'm guilty of that, you know, sometimes and viewing it as I just got to get this email out, this content out, this idea out versus What's the other person on the other end of that thinking, feeling, experiencing? What's the heartbreak? Where are they feeling like they don't measure up? They feel like this is a failure or disappointment. There's way more than just another brain on the end of that. There's, there's a heart, there's a soul attached to that. Uh, I've known Tyler for years, and it's just been fun to watch him kind of grow and continue to evolve and continue to realize it's not actually about the coffee. And he was talking about how if if the coffee dried up and coffee was no longer a thing or, I don't know, became seen as an illegal drug or something, I mean, heaven forbid, that'd be a terrible, <laughs> terrible day. But that, that they're actually in the service industry and they're actually about serving humans. They're not just about serving coffee. Yeah. And it makes you think about what are the values and the distinctions that you want to help shape your organization or your culture? Because he had very specific things that he wanted to shape his employees and his leadership so that that leaks out into the people that they serve, into the people that they welcome into their space. And so that gets me thinking, what are the values that we're instilling you know, within the church that I lead or within the relationships that I have? And so um, a huge reminder. And so for you, what are those things that you're instilling within the culture of your church or organization or business? Um, because it all, it's all intentional. I mean, that starts from you know, those values that you begin to instill and help shape your culture. And so what does that look like for you? Another question for you to think about, ponder, take to your team is how have we traded effectiveness for efficiency? How have we traded effectiveness for efficiency? Just doing the thing fast instead of doing the thing well and right and actually investing well. And then just one more question. What's one simple step that you can take as a team to be more hospitable? What's one simple step you can take as a team to be more hospitable? Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. We love when you guys join us. We really love when you share this with other leaders uh, that can identify, that know how hard it can be to lead in the trenches. We want to have these practical conversations and today was a good one. So would love for you to take a screenshot and share that with somebody, text it along to somebody else, rate it, review it. We want to get this out there so more and more leaders can realize that becoming a leader doesn't mean that you have to lose your soul in the process. Thanks for being with us today, and we look forward to more episodes with you. 
Thanks for joining us on another great episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. So long.